0: Chapter thirty nine of Peter Simple This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia MB in Washington State. Peter Simple by Frederick Marriott. Chapter thirty nine is a chapter of plots. Catholic Causestry in a New Cassock. Plotting promotes promotion. A peasant's love and a peer's peevishness prospects of prosperity as soon as i arrived at the hotel i sent for a plymouth paper and cut out the paragraph which had been of such importance to me in my emergency and the next morning returned home to receive the congratulations of my family i found a letter from O'Brien which had arrived the day before it was as follows my dear pater some people they say are lucky to have a father born before them because they are helped out in the world upon which principle mine was born after me that's certain." however that can't be helped i found all my family well and hearty but they all shook a cloth in the wind with respect to toggery as for father mcgrath's cassock he didn't complain of it without reason it was the ghost of a garment but however with the blessing of god my last quarterly bill and the help of a tailor we had a regular refit and the ancient family of the o'briens of Ballyhinch are now rigged from stem to stern "'My two sisters are both to be spliced to young squires in the neighbourhood. "'It appears that they only waited for a decent town gown to go to the church in. "'They will be turned off next Friday, "'and they only wish, Peter, you were here to dance at the wedding's. "'Never mind, I'll dance for you, and for myself, too. "'In the meantime, I'll just tell you what Father McGrath and I have been doing "'all about and concernin' that thief of an uncle of yours.' is very little or nothing at all that father mcgrath did before i came back seen as how father o'toole had a new cassock and father mcgrath was so shabby that he couldn't face him under such a disadvantage but still father mcgrath spied about him and had several hints from here and from there all of which when i came to add them up amounted to nothing at all but since i came home we have been busy father mcgrath went down to ballygloo as bold as a lion in his new clothing swearing that he'd lead father o'toole by the nose for slamming the door in his face and so he would have done if he could have found him but as he wasn't to be found father mcgrath came back again just as wise and quite as brave as he went out so peter i just took a walk that way myself and as surrounded the old house where your uncle had taken up his quarters who should i meet but the little girl ella flanagan who was in his service and i said to myself There's two ways of obtaining things in this world. One is for love, and the other is for money. The O'Briens are better off in the first article than in the last, as most of their countrymen are, so I've been spending it very freely in your service, Peter. Sure, says I. You are the little girl that my eyes were ever looking upon when last I was this way. And who are you? says she. Lieutenant O'Brien of His Majesty's service. Just come home for a minute to look out for a wife, says I. "'and it's one about your make and shape and discretion "'that would please my fancy.' "'And then I praised her eyes and her nose and her forehead, "'and so downwards until I came to the soles of her feet "'and asked her leave to see her again, "'and when she would meet me in the wood and tell me her mind. "'At first she thought, sure enough, that I couldn't be in earnest. "'But I swore by all the saints that she was the prettiest girl in the parts, "'and so she is altogether. "'And then she listened to my blarney the devil a word did i say about your uncle or your aunt or father mcgrath that she might not suspect for i've an idea that they're all in the story i only talked about love for her pretty self and that blinded her as it will with all women cute as they may be and now pater it's three weeks last sunday that i've been bespeaking this poor girl for your sake and my conscience tells me that it's not right to make a poor crater fond of me seen as how that i don't care a fig for her in the way of a wife and in any other way it would be the ruin of the poor thing i have spoken to father mcgrath on the subject who says that we may do evil that good may come and that if she had been a party to the deceit it's nothing but proper that she should be punished in this world and that will perhaps save her in the next still i don't like it Peter, and it's only for you among the living that i'd do such a thing for the poor creature now hangs upon me so fondly and talks about the wedding day and tells me long stories about the connections which have taken place between the O'Flanicans and the O'Briens, times gone by, when they were all in their glory. Yesterday, as we sat in the wood, with her arm round my waist, "'Ella, dear,' says I, "'who are these people that you stay with?' And then she told me all she knew about their history, and how Mary Sullivan was a nurse to the baby. "'And what is the baby?' says I. A boy, sure,' says she. "'And Sullivan's baby?' "'Boy, oh, that's the girl. "'And is Mary Sullivan there now?' "'No,' says she. "'It's Yesterine. "'She left with her husband and Babby "'to join the regiment, "'has gone out to Ingey.' "'Yesterday she left,' says I, starting up. "'Yes,' replies she. "'And what do you care about them?' "'It's very much I care,' replied I, "'for a little bird has whispered a secret to me. "'And what may that be? "'Only that the children were changed "'and you know it as well as I do.' but she swore that she knew nothing about it, and that she was not there when either of the children were born, and I believe that she told the truth. "'Well,' says I, "'who tended the lady?' "'My own mother,' says Ella. "'And if it were so, who can know but she?' "'Then,' says I, "'Ella, Jewel, I've made a vow that I'll never marry till I find out the truth of this matter, so the sooner you get it out of your mother, the better.' Then she cried very much, and I was almost ready to cry too, to see how the poor thing was vexed at the idea of not being married. After a while she swabbed up her cheeks and kissing me wished me good-bye, swearing by all the saints that the truth should come out somehow or another. It's this morning that I saw her again, as agreed upon yesterday, and red her eyes were with weeping, poor thing, and she clung to me and begged me to forgive her and not to leave her. And then she told me that her mother was startled when she put the question to her, and chewed it and cursed her when she insisted upon the truth, now she had fallen on her knees and begged her mother not to stand in the way of her happiness as she would die if she did i leave you to guess if my heart didn't smite me when she said that pater but the mischief was done and how her mother had talked about her oath and father o'toole and said that she would speak to him now pater i'm sure that the children have been changed and that the nurse has been sent out to the indies to be out of the way they say they were to go to plymouth the husband's name is of course o'sullivan so i'd recommend you take a coach and see what you can do in that quarter in the meantime i'll try all i can for the truth in this and will write again soon as i can find out anything more all i want to do is to get father mcgrath to go to the old devil of a mother and i'll answer for it he'll frighten her into swearing anything god bless you peter and give my love to all the family yours ever terence o'brien this letter of o'brien was the subject of much meditation the advice to go to plymouth was too late the troops having sailed some time, and I had no doubt but that Mary Sullivan and her husband were among those who had embarked at the time that I was at the port to pass my examination. Show the letter to my father I would not, as it would only have put him in a fever, and his interference would in all probability have done more harm than good. I therefore waited quietly for more intelligence, and resolved to apply to my grandfather to obtain my promotion. A few days afterward I set off for Eagle Park, and arrived about eleven o'clock in the morning. I sent in my name and was admitted into the library, where I found Lord Privilege in his easy chair as usual. Well, child, said he, remaining on his chair, and not offering even one finger to me, what do you want, that you come here without an invitation? Only, my lord, to inquire after your health, and to thank you for your kindness to me in procuring me and a Mr. O'Brien the appointment to a fine frigate. Yes, replied his lordship, I recollect I think I did so at your request, and I think I heard someone say that you have behaved well, and had been mentioned in the dispatches. Yes, my lord, replied I, and have since passed my examination for lieutenant. Well, child, I'm glad to hear it. Remember me to your father and family? And his lordship cast his eyes down upon his book, which he had been reading. My father's observations appeared to be well grounded, but I would not leave the room until I had made some further attempt has your lordship heard from my uncle yes replied he i had a letter from him yesterday the child is quite well i expect them all here in a fortnight or three weeks to live with me altogether i am old getting very old and i shall have much to arrange with your uncle before i die if i might request a favour of your lordship it would be to beg that you would interest yourself a little in obtaining my promotion a letter from your lordship to the first lord "'Only a few lines. "'Well, child, I see no objection. "'Only I am very old, too old to write now.' "'And his lordship again commenced reading. "'I must do Lord Privilege the justice to state "'that he evidently was fast verging to the state of a second childhood. "'He was much bowed down since I had last seen him, "'and appeared infirm in body as well as in mind. "'I waited at least a quarter of an hour before his lordship looked up. "'What? Not gone yet, child?' I thought you had gone home. Your lordship was kind enough to say that you had no objection to write a few lines to the first lord in my behalf. I trust your lordship will not refuse me. Well, replied he peevishly, so I did, but I am too old, too old to write. I cannot see. I can hardly hold a pen. Will your lordship allow me the honour of writing the letter for your lordship's signature? Well, child, yes, I have no objection. Write as follows. No. "'Write anything, you please, and I'll sign it. "'I wish your Uncle William was come.' "'This was more than I did. "'I had a great mind to show him O'Brien's letter, "'but I thought it would be cruel to raise doubts "'and harass the mind of a person so close to the brink of the grave. "'The truth would never be ascertained during his life, I thought, "'and why, therefore, should I give him pain. "'At all events, although I had the letter in my pocket, "'I resolved not to make use of it, except as a dunier resort.' I went to another table and sat down to write the letter. As his lordship had said that I might write what I pleased, it occurred to me that I might assist O'Brien, and I felt sure that his lordship would not take the trouble to read the letter. I therefore wrote as follows, while Lord Privilege continued to read his book. My lord, you will confer a very great favour upon me if you will hasten the commission which, I have no doubt, is in preparation for my grandson, Mr. Simple, who has passed his examination and has been mentioned in the public despatches." and also that you will not lose sight of Lieutenant O'Brien, who has so distinguished himself by his gallantry in the various cutting-out expeditions in the West Indies. Trusting that your lordship will not fail to comply with my earnest request, I have the honor to be your lordship's very obedient, humble servant. I brought this letter with a pen full of ink, and the noise of my approach induced his lordship to look up. He stared at first, as having forgotten the whole circumstance, then said, Oh, yes, I I recollect, so I did. "'Give me the pen.' "'With a trembling hand, he signed his name "'and gave me back the letter without reading it, as I expected. "'There, child, don't tease me any more. "'Good-bye. Remember me to your father.' "'I wished his lordship a good morning "'and went away well satisfied with the result of my expedition. "'On my arrival, I showed the letter to my father, "'who was much surprised at my success, "'and he assured me that my grandfather's interest "'was so great with the administration "'that I might consider my promotion as certain.' that no accident might happen, I immediately set off for London, and delivered the letter at the door of the First Lord with my own hands, leaving my address with the porter. End of chapter 39